0: On today's episode of Double Down, Trent, break up the New York football teams. That's right, the Giants and the Jets get outright wins last week. Can they stay hot? The Jets are in London. The Giants taking on their rival, the Dallas Cowboys. Plus, the game of the week Bills, Chiefs. Hey, uh, Sean McDermott, here's a little message. Maybe this time, don't kick as many field goals. Maybe try and score some touchdowns. You are playing Patrick Mahomes. Stay tuned for episode number 114 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent. You might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports. Predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron. Man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive. So you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent. Let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am flying high, coming off a New York football Giants outright win in New Orleans. I thought the prospects were grim. I predicted 0 10, but here we are with a shocking victory over the Saints. So, feeling good about my boys rolling into week number five tonight. I am joined by our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm
1: excited for a little 2 manner. We haven't done it like this in a while. Uh, but, you know, when time is of the essence for a new father, we got to fill in pod time whenever we can in a pinch. So this is the uh, condensed version. But excited for your Giants. So that was a big win. I was on them and the Jets last week in our pool. So I somehow ended up not winning our pool for the week, even though I won with Jets and Giants. So I was a little dumbfounded. <laughs> <laughs> dumbfounded there, but uh, anyways, it, it was a great win for you, and I have Barkley in the fantasy league, so I loved seeing him go off, because uh, I was starting to doubt that that could ever happen again.
0: Yeah, he's starting to come to life, and you know, it's great to see everyone's a little down on him. I think they're I think they giving him a little pitch count. Like, I don't think they were uh, trotting him out full speed the first couple of weeks, uh, but after that game, I mean, what's the hesitation? He looked great. He was cutting. He was coming out of the backfield. That, to me, is what they have to do with Saquon, and I've been saying that for years. If you look back at his rookie year, that was how they utilized him best. He was coming out of the backfield. I think he had like 70 something catches his rookie year. You got to utilize him in in space and it's exciting. I mean, I I hate to sound like that Giants fan that's just flipping and flopping each week. I went doom and gloom for the first four weeks of the season. And now I'm all excited, but that division is terrible. We're playing the Cowboys who have the, the division lead. You know, if you sneak down into Jerry world and knock them off all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're in this, this, this hunt here. So, it's exciting, and uh, like you said, New York football, powerhouse. The Jets and the Giants get an outright win. Who would have thought that? I think I read, Colter, that if you had put a $100 money line parlay on the Jets and the Giants, it paid out 12 to 1. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That would have been amazing. See, I right? like the Giants side of things.
1: Uh, I would never have thought that the Jets could have upended the Titans uh, straight up. I mean, I like the side because it was a lot of points for, I think, an overrated Titans team, but... That I just didn't see happening after they played my Broncos the previous week. They showed me nothing uh, in that game, so that was the real, the real puzzler. But I think to your Giants' point, you know, I don't want to speak uh, hyperbolic here, but this is the biggest game of Young Daniel Jones' career because, quite sim- simply put, they have a chance to do exactly what you said: go into Dallas upset, uh, straight up. Not even just win ATS, but I think win the game straight up. But it really comes down to his can he exchange blow for blow with a league top four quarterback? And I think that's where Dak Prescott is right now. And it's an exciting uh, narrative for you if you're a Giants fan, because if you get the uh, answer back at this time next week when we're talking, and the answer to that question is yes, then Daniel Jones actually might be worth your being your quarterback next year, which is a huge thing. So this is a gigantic game for him. It's a gigantic game for Giants fans. Um, if they somehow pull the upset, um, massive uh, turnaround for his narrative and the Giants' narrative on the season. Because you're right, I think they're right in the thick of uh, competing for this division if they can do this this week.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And if he is the answer, then that makes the what a turn the by future. the way. Because I yeah. was at the I was at the game at MetLife and I was
1: texting my buddies. I was like, "There's a lot of Daniel Jones jerseys here that were that are going to end up in the trash by the end of the season." And oh, yeah. uh, wow, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's plausible. Um, and if it, if that is plausible, if he can go touchdown for a touchdown with Dak, because I think that's the kind of game it's going to have to be if the Giants want to win. Um, yeah, that's exciting stuff, because I think that offense of theirs can be explosive with Barkley, Tony, uh, Shep, if, when he gets healthy, is a nice slot receiver. And then you obviously have Gallaudet, Um yeah. And then Ingram, too, if he can stay if on he the field, which anything. is a big big if big <laughs>
0: Yeah, they've they've got the weapons and Jones has turned the corner. I just I I'm gonna die on this hill for the New York football giants. I don't care what's happening with them. I'm dying on this hill. Gettleman and Garrett need to go. Those are the two people that are holding back this team. If this team had a little bit of better offensive line, which has been something we've been saying on this podcast for I think the last three years, all of a sudden now you've got the weapons and you can utilize Daniel Jones. He'll have time. He can make the reads, he can go through his progressions, but also. Let's utilize some RPOs. Let's utilize a little, uh, you know, run game option with him in Saquon. I don't know if people are sleeping on Daniel Jones, running ability, or if they just, you know, remember him tripping against the Eagles last year, the dude can run. I mean, he is flat out fast and all of a sudden, he's a
1: big, strong athlete, just like Josh Allen.
0: Exactly. If you can start doing some of those things and open up that offense, you know, you really do have an opportunity to have a really explosive offense here, but I don't trust Garrett. and I don't trust Gettleman. The Giants Quite frankly, they've got two first-round picks next year. If we got Garrett's offense and Gellin making those picks, that is not an exciting place to be. But if all of a sudden you're looking at your team and you're saying, all right, Daniel Jones is the answer, or at least we can work with him and build around him, now you've got those two first-round picks that you can actually piece together a really good team, build up that offensive line, get a defensive weapon, and all of a sudden they could be in that hunt to be a good team for the next two, three years. But, you know, on the flip side of that, like I said a couple weeks ago, we could be 0-10. So this could be a 1-9 and nine real fast. It could be a
1: on. 41-14 Cowboys really believe yeah. that they're one of the best teams in the NFC. I could I could actually see it going either way. I'm on in the pool. I'm on the Giants. But this is one of the – I have eight games that are in this like the middle area where I don't really feel too good about. And uh, this is one of them spread. I'm on the Giants just because you get the hook and it's a divisional yep. game. And I, I do see a situation where they can win straight up. So all those things are the reason. And I don't want to jump ahead to the week five stuff, but that's the my reasoning for taking them in the pool.
0: Yeah, and they tend to play pretty well in Jerry World. I mean, remember last year got get, Yeah,
1: I was going to say, how can you not get up and play in Jerry World? They always right. do. And how can you not if you're a New York Giants player? It's like you have the game circled on your calendar. When you get the schedule, you're New York Giant. You see your 16 to 17 game schedule. You circle at Dallas, period.
0: That's the mm-hmm. game you get up for the most on the road, I think. Absolutely. Now I do want to pivot to your Denver Broncos. You guys got involved in a little bit of a a little scrap situation between the coaches there. I'll just run through it. I want to get your take on it. A couple of things were happening here. It looked like your boys, the Broncos were taking some shots at the end zone when the game was clearly over. Can't overcome. I think it was like a 16 point deficit uh, to try and, you know, get back in the game. Some say, you know, play to the whistle, play the end of the game. Whatever, that's, that's debatable. But then to end the game, the Ravens, who wanted to keep their 40-something streak of 100 or more yards rushing, instead of taking a knee, they ran basically like a student body left old school run play with Lamar Jackson to get over 100 yards rushing as a team and keep that streak going. Coulter, this is kind of like with those unwritten rules. Normally, this is a baseball debate here. What did you take from the end of that game between the beef of the two teams? I take that the uh,
1: it's important to the Ravens to have these stupid records and run it up on people. And I took that. I I'm opposed to doing what the Broncos were doing uh, trying to score there. I think that's stupid. We went over that a couple weeks ago with the Deontay Johnson injury with uh, Pittsburgh. I think it's all pretty stupid. If the game's out of hand, just take a knee. What, what are we doing going for it? And then what are the Ravens doing going for a three yard rush? And then what the heck is Banjo doing complaining? Because Clearly, as you just said, it's like it's a double standard. You're going to complain about something you were doing. And then I guess the only one who's correct is Harbaugh for pointing out Vangio's double standard for going for it and then ridiculing him for running the play. But then it's like Harbaugh is also in the wrong because he ran the fucking play for the running back that kind of started the whole controversy, which I would disagree with. I don't think you need to run the play. So it's like it's all – I disagree with all of them. Uh, Harbaugh, I guess, is in the right for pointing out that Vangio is kind of idiotic for – Pointing out his flaws when he clearly made the wrong call too. Overall, people should kneel at the end of games, uh, player safety. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's that's the judge's ruling. Player is I'm important.
0: I'm with you. If you get hundred yards organically, then awesome, keep that streak going along. But if you have to run a little trick play, so that that was a Madden play. That'd be something I would do in Madden, to, like jack up a player stats to potentially win like some MVP or you know, some Madden award. That seemed like it was just uncalled for who's going to remember it? Like, to
1: me, it's like, it's such a stupid thing. Like
0: there, you're great. You're a good run
1: offense. Your offense has been built on that for three or four seasons. Of course, you've hit a hundred yards in 43 straight games ever since Lamar became their quarterback. It's been a run first offense, like in the biggest, like in the most like run aggressive sense of the word, number one in the league and by a wide margin. So it's just like, since Lamar's been their quarterback, obviously that stat bears, like it's so obvious to me that they've, They've hit that, you know, as a team. Oh, absolutely. They have and a quarterback that does 40 yards a game. Like, a <laughs> you're, you're, you're
0: Basically, you're just asking your running backs to carry the ball 20 times for 60 yards. How can you not do yeah. that? It's almost impossible not to. Uh, that team, the Ravens, looking in our pool, Colter, uh, I can't get a read on them. I am 0-4 picking the, the Ravens. Just no clue. Can't pick with them. Can't pick against them. <laughs> uh, the, I love the
1: pool because of that. I love being able to break down how I'm doing against teams. It's great. Well, I, I had my like, first win against the Broncos. I faded them every week, and then they <laughs> speaking of the Broncos, I faded them last week and got my first win in the pool against them.
0: You and I are very similar to this. we both we both do emotional hedges against our teams because I yes. never really pick the Giants because I'd rather pick against them. And if that's the case, like you know if if I pick against them and they lose, but I also win my pick in the pool, that's a win for me. If the Giants somehow win the game and I lose my pick, well, at least my team won the game and I'm happy about that. So, to me, that emotional hedge gets me through these Giants games and in our pool makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's amazing, uh, and I don't know if you've noticed it being a Giants fan, but like when you're
1: a middling franchise, kind of like our two teams are in the pool. You get so many of these one and a half point games, where it really is you're basically doing a pickem in the pool for your own team. So it really is just easy for me. The Broncos have been involved in I think three of them in the first five games because the Giants game was I think two, yep. and uh, and then last week's was a pickem, and then this one's a pickem. So it's just like I'll just fade my team and do the emotional hedge. Why not? And if the Broncos win on the road against Pittsburgh, great. Like I'll gladly forfeit that point and every oh, absolutely. day.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to our week five picks. Like you said, new dad here. I'm in a bit of a time crunch, but let's go to this. We're doing a little, uh, and go offense here, the two of us. So why don't you kick it off here with your first pick of the week?
1: Yep. Let's do it. Um, bucks minus 10 and a half. I'm forcing anybody you, uh, Mr. Model and Hughes to crossfire me, uh, to be on the side of the listless dolphins offense and a defense that couldn't stop Carson Wentz and the Colts without Quinn Nelson. So if you guys want to take me up on that challenge, I'm more than willing to throw my hand in that one, mainly on this side of the the, uh, with Tampa Bay, because Miami's offense of line stinks and Tampa's pass rush is elite. Long day for Brissette. uh, Jacoby Brissette for me is what I envision. He will be able to take advantage of the secondary woes that Tampa has Add in a lack of run game for the Dolphins. And Jacoby is just truly a sitting target back there. If the Bucks trio of targets are fully healthy, that's Brown, Evans, and Godwin on the offensive side of the ball. I don't see the Dolphins being able to contain those three. They have a couple of good corners, but they don't have three elite ones, and I think Brown will feast if he's fully ready to go, which I think he is. Uh, I see Brady attacking a team that has gotten the better of him in the past. I think there's actually a, re- reven- a slight revenge factor that people are sleeping on here. Um, they're going to want to get up on this team early and run up the score early, I think. I see a 21 nothing kind of second quarter type deal. Uh, and when they do, I don't think the back door will be open as much as people think. Um, based on last week's result, people are going to think that the Dolphins can backdoor similar how the Patriots kept, kind of kept the game close in the second half. Um, I don't see that happening. I think this is Tampa goes up early in the pass rush just invades per set and takes up his space. Uh, this is a rare public pick for me. I'm taking the bucks to replicate the result of last year's Super Bowl in this one. I'm calling it 31, nine in the old sombrero.
0: I do not have the cojones to crossfire that pick. Uh, Miami's dead to me. Also, I, I was on them last week and I'm thinking, you know what? Like you said, the Colts are a dead team. Wentz's looked terrible. They didn't have Nelson. It was in Miami. I'm like, this is a lock. It was only one and a half last week as a favorite for the dolphins. They showed some life against the Raiders. I think in week, uh, was it was a three maybe, or yeah, week three, they showed some life against them, but they just came out absolutely dead. That offense is a joke. I know Percept's a veteran. They just have no running game. They've got no life. And to me, no chance of scoring points against the Tampa Bay defense. Um, I think what you saw last week from the Bucks against the Pats, Brady definitely looked like he was a little juiced up for that game. I mean, he was missing some throws that he normally puts on a dime. Uh, I don't think you're going to get that this week. I think you're going to see a big bounce back game from Brady. That game was so emotionally draining, I think, for Brady that now he's just ready to come in and just play football again. He doesn't have to worry about any outside factors going back to New England, Belichick, the media. This is a game for them to get right. I know they got a win in uh, New England. But they escaped on a missed field goal. This to me is a blowout. Um, I kind of see this playing out like I think the Week Two game that the Bucks had against the Falcons. I mean, they they absolutely dominated. I know they came away with some defensive touchdowns, but I don't think they need that this week. I'm I'm uh, easy riding that ten and a half. I think this is close to oh, a fourteen I point butan-
1: game. I love a potential Tampa Bay touchdown. Yeah. I don't like their their secondary stinks. I'm, no one can debate that. But like, let's be honest. When you have a pass rush like that, and Brissette is not an elite quarterback, and if he's down, he forces the wrong pass. Any corner can jump it and take it back to the house. You don't have to be an elite corner. You know what I'm saying? Like no. they have bodies.
0: Like it's not like these guys are inept. And Todd Bull's is a good defensive player. Yeah, I mean he's going to scheme up, and like I don't see Brissette taking deep shots. I don't know if secondary is beatable. I've been watching a couple of their games. Like I've been clicking through it uh, on my Sunday ticket package, just checking in on some scores. Their offense is dead. And without a threat of the running game, I don't know how you can possibly get burned by Kobe Reset. So uh, this to me is an easy pick at 10 and a half here. I am all on board, my friend. All right. I'm making a little bit of a bold pick here, um, but I'm riding what I think is the best team in the league. I am taking the Buffalo Bills plus two and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs. This game is going to be a shootout and a very high-scoring affair, but let's just look at the units here. The Bills' defense is playing at an elite level. I think they're the number one-ranked defense in terms of scoring. They already shut out two teams, and they are really a blocked field goal against the Steelers away from being undefeated and this spread probably being the opposite way where they're going to be the favorite team in Kansas City. Kansas City can score a ton of points, but their defense is absolutely terrible, and I can see the Bills' Going in there, jumping out at front, and then all of a sudden the shootout is on. Uh, Two and a half is a very small number. I actually could see a Bills outright win here. In fact, I would maybe look at dabbling on the money line here. They're just the better team. And I know Kansas City is the Chiefs, and they've got Mahomes, and it's always scary to bet against Mahomes here. But I'm purely betting against that Chiefs defense. They're getting gashed left and right. And the Bills offense is just clicking on all cylinders. So give me the Bills plus two and a half going into Kansas City. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm certainly not going to
1: crossfire because I'm on the same side uh, in the pool. I like the narrative that the Bills have been kind of building towards this game. This is like really huge for them. And the fact that it's regular season and not postseason, I don't think you get the um, extra kind of oomph you'd get with Kansas City and their crowd at Arrowhead. And I I think that would be, if it was a postseason, a no-brainer three. That would be hung and potentially a three and a half if it was playoffs. But I think Um, Because it's regular season, the book odds makers, bookmakers are kind of expecting a little bit of a lackadaisical, maybe not totally lackadaisical, but something that's a little off with the crowd and the team. Um, And and I agree. I think Buffalo has been gearing towards this. They've been drafting defensive ends in the draft every single season. It's all about pass rush for them. They're trying to replicate the Tampa Bay model. Um, You got to like McDermott. He's a top 10 coach. Uh, I don't, again, I don't think the road travel thing is really a factor here. I think Buffalo is going to be zoned in. They're used to playing in front of a ruckus crowd. Uh, they really want this game. So yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement here. I, and, and it's not even because of what's like going to happen on the field. And I think Kansas city's defense is atrocious as you were pointing out, but I just think there's something about Buffalo that they, they've been just gunning for this game and getting better every week. I will say Kaz, um, maybe do your homework on your side as you've been joking around about fading yourself. When you pick (laughs) I'm Owen, I'm Owen four on Buffalo. This is my kryptonite. Uh, They are the team that is killing me in the pool. I faded them with Houston. I faded them with football team. I don't know what I'm doing. I just look back. I faded them with Miami and I hate Miami and, and I love Buffalo and they were a dog. I think in that, like, I don't know what strategy I was doing in any of these Buffalo games, it, just awful all around. So hopefully I get this one, right. But I did want to put that one there as a word of the wise to our listeners. I'm pretty bad with picking Buffalo right now. <laughs>
0: well, I'm looking at my, and I should say I'm like
1: sixth in the pool. So it's like, I, yeah. I'm <laughs> saying that uh, from a point of like, I really do have a disadvantage with this team.
0: This is a real put the listeners in a pretzel moment because I'm doing terrible in this pool. And I'm three and one with the bills. So this is someone's got to come out. <laughs> something's going to, I was going to say something's going to have to break. Let's both ride bills and see what happens. I just think um, the better man. team. Their defense is playing lights out. I mean, granted they're going to give a points to the chiefs, but I, I mean, they're catching points here. If this was three and a half, I mean, I'd, I'd bet the house on three and a half, but uh, even at two and a half, I still think it's just a really good pick. They're the better team. And I'm, going to have to pick better teams here. And I, I, you know, something about this chief's defense just makes me think twice and they're they're just not going to be able to stop the Bills, So that's why I'm on them this week here. Uh, all right. We got phone in picks from our very own bill Hughes and our Mr. Model. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's start with Hughes. His first pick of the week is the Vegas Raiders at home minus five and a half against a revamped Chicago Bears offense under Bill Lazar. What do you think on this one, Coulter?
1: Well, I don't wanna play uh, Dr. Melfi for Hughes, but I'm just gonna to try to see what he sees in the Vegas side here. And I think it's fields on the road, a fate of Nagy in um, a situation spot where although people are gonna be invading for the Bears in Vegas, and they're gonna have a lot of fans, uh, and that factor makes it even more comfortable. The bears are still on the road and you're, you got Matt Nagy and this wild uh, transition with bill Lazar as the new offensive coordinator and you don't have Montgomery. So you have a new running back and a new quarterback and you're switching offensive coordinators and all that stuff. And then on the other side of the ball, you've got to contain Waller with a secondary that I don't think is very good. Um, so when push comes to shove, I, I definitely see what Hughes sees in the, in the Raiders uh, it's a lot of points in a, you know what? I, I am going to take the the Raiders in this one myself because I'm really tired of playing this stupid game with the Raiders and the Chargers, especially after that Monday night. Who's going to have the home field bench? Who doesn't have crowd? Who doesn't have fans in this city? I'm so done with playing this game. Who cares if Bears fans are in Vegas? It doesn't matter. The, when push comes to shove, I'm fading Matt Nagy. I'm going to join Hughes on this one. Uh, and I see what he sees in this one. Yeah better division so, too. really should point that out. Yeah. they AFC West is a superior division to the mm-hmm. NFC North, which I think could be the worst division in football. They, so, Bears have two horrible wins. I mean, that maybe that's what you see too. Bengals and lions. Awful wins.
0: You know, I'll give a little respect to the Bengals. I don't say it's an awful win, but it's not a good win. You know, they're, they're not, they really were bad in that. Team. They were really yeah. bad in that game though. They, they certainly were. Um, this is another one where I got to warn the listeners. Uh, I am 0-4 picking the Raiders. So they're another one of my teams that I cannot get a read on. Um, I'm gonna have to do my opposite Costanza, George, you know, George Costanza mentality here because I can't get a read in the Raiders. I was on the Bears, but my my tenant of this entire podcast is fade Matt Nagy, right? This is what I've, we're built on. But now Matt Nagy's not calling the plays. He passed it over. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields looked like he had some life. That offense looked like maybe they're coming together here. So my head is in a pretzel with this game here. Um, I guess I'm. You know, if you're on Chicago,
1: stuff. you get a motivated Khalil Mack. I guess, I guess that's a benefit. Oh, yeah, right? That's and something five and a half factor in.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not going to crossfire this uh, at all because I have no bearings on this. And I cannot trust myself to crossfire with Matt Nagy here. Um, but I think this is a close game. Five and a half is a lot of points. that would be my only concern here. Um, that maybe the Raiders struggle right in that Matt.
1: right in that Vegas zone. I, oh, I yeah. hate that. This is another one where I don't like the spread. In fact, yeah. I'm on. The, I was on the Bears before I started talking for Hughes. <laughs> I subdued <laughs> myself for Hughes, and now I'm flipping <laughs> on the Raiders. So it's I good know, that we do
0: the pod good. because it's always good thought exercise for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Bears in this one, but I'm not ballsy enough to crossfire here because I, yeah, I just can't trust myself with Matt Nagy. that's, but. that's the right way to play it. Yeah. You can't can't bet
1: money on Matt and Aggie. No, you've got a baby. You've got a baby. (laughs) Exactly. She needs some diapers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Mr. Model called in and we are recording this about, yeah, let's call it a half hour before kickoff. He's riding with the Los Angeles Rams. Now we're locked in at one and a half here, where the Rams are favored. I think that's gotten up to two and a half today. Um, I'll just go out and say it. I love this. This is my key pick. Um, I know the listeners may say, hey, what the hell You you guys making key picks after the game? Well, this is being recorded on Thursday before the game has started. Um, the fact that this line's ticked up to two and a half makes me think that we're onto something here with the Rams. Um, and again, this is another one of my principles. I've been saying it for years in this podcast. Good teams coming off a bad loss. They're motivated. And this is very similar for me, like I just said, with the Chiefs. I think Seattle's defense is absolutely terrible. I mean, they're going to get lit up. I picked Seattle last week against the Niners. I got a little bit lucky in that win there, but they probably should have lost that game to the Niners as well. Um, you know, a couple of fluky plays there down the the stretch made the difference for the for the uh, Seahawks. But to me, the Rams are the better team. I can see this being a very high scoring affair, uh, and the fact that this is ticked up to two and a half makes me love this pick at one and a half. So I'm going to ride with Mister Model. What do you think here, Coulter?
1: Yeah, you got full agreement. I, I think McVeigh has uh, Carroll's number. I think this is an old school versus new school uh, matchup where I think the new school has a strict advantage. Um, I think Rams are super motivated last week after losing to Arizona. I think they're, you're going to get the best of their defense. Um, I, situationally, I'm just going to fade Seattle. I've been off of this team all preseason and all season long. I think, as I've said on the pod, Russell and, and Peter headed to a divorce closer than they're headed to another division title. So uh that's those are my opinions. And so therefore I have to take the Rams. Uh, both teams are kind of all in if you think about it. The Seahawks have acquired uh Jamal Adams with the first round picks and they've signed Wilson to the big deal and they've dished out money to players like Lockett, Rams, same thing with Ramsey and, and dishing out cash and trading for Stafford. So that aspect of this is really fascinating because it's like I feel like the team that loses has to just feel like, dang, like all that effort to beat the other team is really for naught. And so in my head, I think that's Seattle, I think they're going to be the ones that are kind of licking their wounds, being like, damn, that all this Adams trade and all this stuff we've been doing maneuvering is really not for anything. We're we're in third or fourth place in this division.
0: I got to give you a lot of credit because you've been hammering that storyline about Carol and Russell just not clicking. And I, I think you're right. The more I've been watching this team, They just don't feel like the Seahawks of old and they're just not. I mean, those teams were built on an incredible defense and Russell Wilson making big plays. Now they're forcing Russ to make big plays because they really don't have a defense. Um, No Chris Carson tonight. I know Alex Collins is a a pretty good backup, but that's got to make a difference too. So now you're just keyed up on Russ. Um, This team is just going in the wrong direction. The Rams, obviously they're poised to make a run at this entire NFC here. So, um, the fact that this line has moved up to makes me really like this um, and credit to you, man. This is what week five of the season. We did some preseason pods. You were calling for this Carol Russ kind of breakup and it sure seems like it's moving that way.
1: Yeah. He just seems like he's going to be on a new team in two years or something like that.
0: And the only concern
1: I would actually have for this game, it's not Rams defense related, which I've heard a lot of people concerned about their run defense and Collins might be able to tear them up or whatever. And, and Russ will probably have three TDs or whatever. <laughs> but it's my only concern is actually Stafford on the road in Seattle. I haven't done my homework as to how he's fair there. or if He's ever even played there. Um, he does kind of get a deer in the headlights. Look but that would be my one concern as if Seattle goes up 14, three and they're down 11 and Stafford kind of does the uh, <laughs> cock between his legs kind of thing. So, um, but I'm on the Rams. Uh, hopefully we don't see that version of Stafford tonight, but that would be my one, my one concern. Yeah.
0: And you know, Stafford's capable of, putting those duds out but i think he got that dud out last week not to say he's not gonna have more of those this year i just don't see him doing it back to back
1: completely agree i think this team is ready to go after that 17 point loss at home
0: absolutely all right my friend give us your key pick of the week Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Carolina minus
1: three and a half. I'm going back to the well here after they failed me in an impromptu spot last week against Dallas. Um, They think they were outmatched against Dak and company. Don't see that happening against Nick Sirianni's uh, Philly offense that doesn't have a reliable running game and doesn't have nearly the same quality offensive line talent. Um, Lane Johnson's actually missing practice this week. He's going to play, I think, but I mean, that's the fourth lineman. Let's just say, hypothetically, he misses it. Like, that's four linemen down for Philly. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so, they have a lot of injuries up front and not a lot of talent. Moreover, and this is important, and, and I've already uh, goaded Hughes into the crossfire via text. Philly is sloppy. I don't know if you know, know this or not, Cass, but they rank dead last in the nfl and penalties on both sides of the ball super undisciplined team Uh, which I love fading and I love fading them on the road until they show me otherwise. And again, injuries uh, on the road, it's just a great spot for more and more flags. You know, the other thing too about a team that gets flagged a lot is it's in their head. So if you get flagged on the road, you're yelling at the refs, And then all of a sudden more flags come out and it just, it trickles down. You've played football. I've played football. Those are the emotions of the game. So I love that about this spot. Um, And then, you know, we were talking about this kind of a, just fading uh, Nagy on principle. I'm going to fade Sirianni in a week where I don't see much else on the board that I like. I don't trust a first year coach on the road to get this team turned around. I feel like Philly continues to spiral downward here. Uh, It's a possible look ahead spot uh, short week coming uh, against the defending Super Bowl champs on Thursday night football uh, bucks are coming into town. So I, I, for some reason, I kind of see Philly even looking past Carolina, even though they're one and three. Uh, and looking ahead to their best game of the year, which is like a mini Super Bowl on Thursday night, they're in primetime spot. Um, I don't know. I just, I st- like, the other, one other thing too, and I'll, I'll pass it over to you and see what you think. But like, let's not forget about all the garbage yards and points that were scored against a really bad KC defense. Uh, the betters are going to be attracted to Philadelphia. Uh, Sam Darnold isn't sexy. There's not a lot of sexiness this side. There's no CMC to attract better. People are going to think about, oh yeah, hurts was competitive against, you know, KC. KC isn't good. We just went over that. So, uh, you look at the last week's game and you kind of use that as a margin. Uh, Carolina fought just like Philadelphia fought in a bad spot against Dallas. So it's like, if, if you're thinking about, you know, which team has more fight, both of them fought. Uh, and I think Casey's defense is worse than Dallas. So I, I don't know. That's, that's where I kind of land on this one.
0: I am completely with you here. I, I don't know why Hughes is crossfire in this one here. I mean, he's living in Philly. Maybe he's drinking the Kool-Aid, but all you need to know is Nick Sirianni has added two more highlighters to his visor. He's now sticking three <laughs> highlighters in the side of his visor. I can't trust a guy like that. Okay. It it, it reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where they see the character played by Larry David, where he's wearing a cape. He's like, you can't trust the guy in a cape. Same principles here. You cannot trust the guy with three highlighters hanging out of his visor. Why do you have three highlighters? Okay. That's my outside. Jump in the pool with me, man. Crossfire huge. I'm in, I'm crossfiring this pip because I think I've got a good one here. Oh, I I do too. I mean, Sam Darnold, I know they lost to the, to the Cowboys, but, Darnold is a a solid quarterback and he actually has some life on the ground. I mean, I think he leads the league in rushing touchdowns right now, or he's close to it. He Um, does. He leads the league. Yeah. It's a a funny story, but you have to take him seriously, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because down at the goal line, now all of a sudden that opens up all kinds of options that you got to now scheme for on defense. And the Eagles defense is just not that good. I think that, um, that huge win against the Falcons in week one, I think threw some betters off and they're a little higher on Philly than they should be because, that team is just not as good as the numbers there are, are representative and you nailed it on the head there they put up some garbage time points against a really bad Chiefs defense so all of a sudden that blowout loss of the Chiefs if you just look at the score like eh, they they hung with the Chiefs there they of course they're gonna hang with Carolina that's what Vegas wants you to think so I'm with you I'm gonna cross Hughes Hughes here and I mean and Carolina is fast on defense I feel like they can contain hurts I don't think any advantage that Hurts
1: has had in, in these first four games, I feel like Carolina neutralizes, and maybe that's where my handicap is off, but like, I just don't see him running around and, and running amok here. You know, I feel like Philadelphia, if they're going to have to win this game, they're going to have to figure it out some other way. I, I just feel like their front, Carolina's front seven is just fast. They're going to be able to contain him, I think.
0: I agree. They've got a really good defense. And I got one other little handicap on this that I want to throw out to the listeners here because I think this matters. They just signed Stefan Gilmore. They traded for Stephon Gilmore. I know yep. he's not playing in this game, but what does that say to your team when your owner goes out and signs a former We're going to the player playoffs. of the year. We are a competitive team. We're going for this. And Now, all of a sudden, that locker room has got some life to it, some juice to it. Your ownership is behind you. I think that move signals to them that, like, hey, this is a, a unit that we really like, and now we can compete and make a run in the playoffs. So that's a momentum thing. That's a locker room builder that I think is – the opposite of what you're seeing in Philly. I don't think they've got that life in their locker room. So I love that sign and yeah, the trade. And I love the uh, momentum it could give them.
1: I couldn't agree more. I don't think Philly has the receivers to take advantage of Carolina's uh, problems right now in the secondary either. And one other thing too, if you look at the stats in Dallas and Carolina last week has, and feel free to do this after the pod. You'll see the numbers are just dead even. And so you're looking at two dead even teams. The only thing that I found in the numbers from last week is that Darnold took five sacks. The Eagles' pressure rate is awful. It hasn't been there all season. They've had eight total sacks as a team this season. If they don't sack Darnold, Carolina's offense will zip down the field like you were saying. I don't think Philly's D is very good. And his, if they don't hit him and Darnold has a clean pocket, which I think he's going to, I think the game can get out of hand even. I think Carolina can blow him
0: out of the water 38 to 10 or something. I could see this definitely be a runaway game here. So, double action crossfire here with Hughes. You gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Oh no, we got Hughes' pick actually here. So, I'll be honest, he did not say who his key pick was. So, I'm gonna make an executive decision here. Instead, his second pick submitted is going to be his key pick. And for that, he is taking the New York Jets in a London game against a hobbled Atlanta Falcons team. The Jets are getting three and a half here. So you're getting the hook, you're getting plus points here. What do you think on his key pick of the Jets here, Coulter? I think we should each take 60 seconds
1: because any more time allotted to the listener would be doing them a disservice because this game is going to be sloppy. So let's do 60 seconds for me. Clock me. Your time starts now. Okay. So the Falcons have a lot of injuries at receiver. Ridley's not going to be there. Gage is not going to be there. Ryan has not been great. So I'm going to be, take the jets and the hook. I think that's an advantage. I think they're playing harder for their coach and Atlanta's playing for theirs. Uh, I see a team jets who are, yeah, again, motivation is pointing up for them. They just came off a huge upset win, whereas Atlanta came off a soul crushing loss. I see an Atlanta team that has to play seven games at home and 10 on the road or, or something like that, where this is like a bizarro situation where they're getting screwed by the league. So I feel like there's going to be a little bit of resentment there. And I already mentioned the Matt Ryan thing. I don't like his lack of mobility. I think the Jets defense is playing hungry. Uh, if the, Atlanta's offense is relying way too much on Cordero Patterson. I think that's a flash in the pan type thing. And if, if again, if Ridley's not there to take off uh, the defense, uh, that's scary that they're going to rely on Patterson to make that many plays. So yeah, Jets three and a
0: half. I'll toss it to you. You came in under your time. So good work. Cause we don't need to spend that much. Time oh, I'll, here I'll, I'll say one more thing. Don't bet on London games. <laughs> <laughs> yes. London games. Anything can happen. They're playing on the pitch over there. And if you've ever watched one of those games, I mean, people are sliding left and right. There's no traction. It's just not a field that's meant for the American game of football. Um, because of that wonkiness, I'm taking the jets as well here. I think Atlanta is a dead franchise. I watched the entirety of the Washington football game against the Falcons and and the fact that they gave up a touchdown at the end of that game to lose when clearly the football team is playing for a field goal is just soul crushing. Like you said, Uh, just a completely dead team. I was way off on them. Um, I'll be honest. I did not see the jets winning outright last week against the Titans, but I did think they would cover. I do see at the worst a cover here as well, Uh, but this game is ugly. I wouldn't even watch this game if it was on at one o'clock, but it's, a nine 30 start times. What else am I doing? I'm going to watch this game. So I'm with you. I'm with Hughes and uh, let's move on from that game.
1: (laughs) Perfect execution for the listener. Love it.
0: Well done. Well done. Uh, Okay. Mr. Model is coming in with his key pick. The new Orleans saints minus one and a half. Coming off a loss to the giants. Uh, One and a half against the Washington football team. Uh, What do you got here? Do you think they bounce back? Yeah, I
1: think these, there's two games in this week's schedule um, that are kind of perplexing to me. The Packers were a uh, seven-point favorite preseason over the Bengals in in this spot, uh, and the, I think I saw that the Saints preseason were six-point favorites over the football team here in the same spot. So this has come down considerably. So you're getting Saints at cheap and similar Packers cheap in that other game. Um, so i'm i'm inclined to just take the team that on paper looking ahead in the season i know things change in four weeks but to me things haven't changed that severely rogers is healthy in Green bay they've won three in a row and uh winston you know hasn't looked great but the saints have been very competitive the roster is very good and i think they just have better players than the football team and the secondary and football team is i know the saints don't have great receivers but they clearly can give up large pass plays. And I, again, Winston, as I said, in previous pods has an arm to take advantage of that. So um, I guess that will be the matchup. Can the saints find enough big plays with their, their kind of clunky receivers in this one, I would bet that they do and I'm going to take them in the pool. Um, i yeah, I just, I think this is a game where the saints are the better team.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with Mr. Model. I'm with you. Um, I, it's just, it's a weird thing to me that Washington's defense has not shown up this season. Like that's gotta be one of the biggest surprises of the NFL season. Um, they're just not getting enough pressure up front when they've got four first round draft picks. Um, and then it's it's exposing the holes in the secondary. So they're getting picked apart. I think New Orleans is going to bounce back. Um, obviously, I watched the entirety of the Giants-Saints game and, and got some interesting tidbits that I took away from the Saints. Their defense is good. Um, they just they didn't think Daniel Jones was going to beat them, and, and he did. So they dared him to take the deep shots, and that's exactly what he excels at. So he uh, was able to take the top off of them. I don't see Taylor Henneke taking the top off of, of a defense. I know he's been playing pretty scrappy. I actually enjoy watching him play football. Um, I just can't see him beating them, And and it, it just gets back to me. What I said earlier, good team off a bad loss. The saints are a good team. They're not the saints of old with breeze, but they're a good team. I think Sean Payton is motivated to come back here. And uh, you know, that division is tough. They didn't think the Panthers were going to be running with them. I, I obviously ever thought the bucks would be there, but they're only a game off of the pace. So you cannot take this loss in, in, in Washington. Um, I, I just like the team. I like them better. And what I would like to see from the Saints, and I don't know, this is this can't be a big secret, okay? I'm watching the games. Everyone's watching the games. What has been the biggest difference from the Saints offense from this past couple of years to this, this season? Because obviously, besides the breeze, they're not getting Kamara the ball in the passing game. He's only running the ball. He's not catching any passes. He's not getting those dump downs. They're not setting up screen passes for him, and I don't understand why. I can see that this week, I see them mixing in some screen passes. How do you beat a really fearsome pass rush? Throw some screen passes. Mix in some draws. Get him in the into space. So I think they let Kamara kind of get back into the, the, the passing attack this week. So uh, I'm with you here. Give me the Saints minus one and a half.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with Kamara. I mean, just a special player. You know how much I love this guy. I just think that the Saints have blue chippers. Kamara is a blue chipper. Andre's Pete up front, uh, left guard is a blue chipper. Ryan Ramchek, right tackle, blue chipper. Cam Jordan, blue chipper. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, you know, they've got players who are just top of the line type players. You know, if if the Giants traded for any of the five guys, I just said uh, tomorrow, you'd be... You would throw in backflips. Yeah. So and I don't think you can come up with five on football team. I could be wrong. But, um, yeah, that's just how I feel. And I agree with what you just said about getting Kamara the ball in space and throwing the ball. They have to know that that, that's part of the offense that's missing. The one thing I will say, and I'll, I'll challenge you here, we can't play ignorant, is Jameis has now been in the system for a year now, it feels like. And just, there is just no history of him checking down to Camara. And I don't really remember him being a check down quarterback in Tampa. So like, yeah, it's kind of a quarterback thing. It's like we could bitch and moan about Peyton not getting him the ball, but really it's the guy who's taking the ball from the center and dropping back to pass. That's the guy who's kind of screwing us here. So uh, we'll see. We'll see about that one.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Ryan Ramchek, Cause I'll leave it on this. This is my closing note. I was, dying for the New York Giants to draft him in the, I believe it was 2017 or 18 draft. I forget. But I do remember they had a shitty offensive line. They needed offensive line help. And Ryan Ramchick is just sitting there. And who do they take? Evan Ingram. It's just like, God, can we, can we not focus on our offensive line? Ryan Ramchick has been in the pro Bowl. I think like three times he's a stud and we're with fumbles. So good. It's ridiculous. All right. Thank you for I that feel like the Saints there. have
1: an offensive line that can neutralize the football team's strength too. I we didn't point that out, but yeah, the Ram yeah. check thing is that that just kind of emphasizes that point. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, my friend, that was a good pot. I know we had a crim in a quick session here, but dad duty calls. It's been a, an intense couple of weeks, but I'm glad we were able to squeeze in some time here and make our picks, my friend. Go
1: get them! Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully, we didn't take too much of your time.
0: Absolutely not. And I do want to say this. I'll leave everyone with this note. If my picks are terrible again, just fade me. Just fade me. I'm trying to fade myself, and I, I, I just can't do it. So if my picks are terrible once again, we're going to have an immediate emergency Dr. Melfi session. <laughs> I, I There's something more than I – and we have to do a pod
1: on many saints. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but there's something oh, more than I love, uh, the cross-reference of NFL – uh, wagering and, and being Tony Soprano or Dr. Mel. I just, I think it,
0: it really fits. It really fits. Just such an apt analogy, I think. Oh, absolutely. All right, my friend, another great episode in the books. We'll see everyone next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Yeah, fuck it All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.